previously on The Adventure Zone. This computer used to belong to a dude named Thacker. He was with the Pine Guard from the start, too. He, he kept notes on everything they ever fought. About six years ago, Thacker took off in the middle of the night without a word to, to anyone. There's a lot of that going around these days. Standing just in front of the doorway is an imposing figure who is draped in a ratty, dirt-covered coat. Either of y'all know how to drive? Yeah? Great. You're gonna need to get me to a hospital. And she falls to her knees and collapses on the ground in a heap. And all the Sylvans outside look up as Danny announces the good news. Mama's home. It's been two weeks since the Pine Guard defeated the abomination plaguing the waters of Kepler, West Virginia, with Duck's Blade, Aubrey's Magic, and Ned's surprising aqua dynamics, and a little help from uh, Contractor Pigeon, you all saved the town, uh, except for H2O, that was fun, which got pretty pretty well in Fandaland during the ensuing battle, um, but that's okay, you can't break a few eggs without eating an omelet. To do, you, you'll make an omelet if you do that. They got a new tagline. Um, it's uh, H2O, that was fun. It's a big pool now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's just I, one big pool now. I really like how they had a big PR rebranding where they just capitalized was to really hit like H2O, yeah. that was <laughs> <It's> fun. <laughs> that was. There was a time when this was fun. Um, we will rebuild it. Um, Aubrey, when you Better. returned. When, <laughs> Stronger. <laughs> funner. Wetter. Wetter. Slurpier. Uh, Aubrey. <laughs> Aubrey, when you returned home, you witnessed the uh, return of Mama, proprietor of Amnesty Lodge, who uh, stumbled in looking pretty worse for wear and then looking pretty unconscious. Uh, and she remained that way as you drove her to the St. Francis Medical Center, where she was stabilized and admitted with haste. Her condition was pretty serious. She had few bruised ribs, a broken ankle, some internal bleeding, and a head wound that left her just down for the count. Uh, it has been two weeks since Mama's return. It is early November now, and snow has begun to fall in Kepler, West Virginia. Um, despite sort of the, the lovely uh, snowy scenery, Mama's condition has sort of cast a pall over Amnesty Lodge. And it is for this exact reason that Jake Coolice suggests a day trip to get everybody's minds off the troublesome status of their leader, y'all are going skiing. <gasps> We're going to Pipestem? Pipestem? Yeah. It's a ski town in, in West Virginia. It's probably yeah, where we... a whole bunch of people go so they don't go to Kepler. Let me uh, let me get in on this. Fucking Pipestem, dude. Yeah, Come on, yeah, okay. dude. No, you are all actually, uh, you you three and your sort of entire Sylvan assembly uh, are headed to the ski lodge at the base of Mount Kepler. It's close. It's convenient. 
I guess I said day trip, but it's more like four minutes walk from Amnesty Lodge. I see. Uh, so uh, you all have arrived at the uh, at the ski lodge at Mount Kepler. Jake is in sort of rare form, very excited. He's waxing his board. He's sharing a few pointers with a few of his more concerned colleagues. Uh, Moira is attempting to strap on some skis without sort of phasing right through them with her ghost legs. Um, Danny is like bundling up to a near sort of Randy from Christmas Story degree. Uh, Barclay is trying to find any kind of ski capable of, of housing his gargantuan feet. Um, and I don't really have much prepared for this next part. I'm just curious what Duck, Aubrey, and Ned uh, are hope to achieve from this day at Mount Kepler Ski Trails Park is what it's called, I guess. M- Mount Kepler Ski Trails Park. And, res- and, and resort. resort. <laughs> and burger place. That, colon, that was also fun. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that uh, Aubrey has never skied before in her life. Uh, so I'm going to say maybe, maybe she has swallowed her pride. And she has asked Jake Coolice for some, like, bunny slope lessons. For sure. Uh, Ned, Duck... What do you think your your characters are up to at the ski lodge? Two words. Yeah, H- hot toddy. Just bevin out in the uh, in the. I believe Ned has had a really bad experience uh, trying to ski, where he got to the top of the ski lift, came off, fell forward, and the the <laughs> swing hit him in the back of the head. Oh, and that and that kind of put him off. The whole ski thing. Can we can we play that out just in Foley? Where this is an audio medium, so maybe we can do like yeah. a flashback of like. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> oh well. So what? Do I just plant my feet? Okay. Where we are? Boom! Shit! Just hang out at the lodge, drinking hot toddies, and you know, making conversation with people. Anything, yeah, for sure. Anything to keep from being killed on the slopes. Uh, Duck, what about yourself? I'm going to come find Ned to come uh, eat dinner with me f- uh, for a reason. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going over to Wolf Ember. It's uh, the Wolf Ember Grill. It's like the the nicer restaurant, but it's not like... I feel like this probably isn't one of the super upscale resorts. Like I feel like no. local people can still go there, yeah? Uh, yeah, for sure. It is the... Uh, There's it, some places in West Virginia where it's not like that, where it's like, oh boy, this is just people coming in from out of town. Yeah, um, I, I, don't, I don't. I think this is a very accessible... This is like... That's kind of why I appended Park to it, is that like this is not fancy, fancy, super expensive uh, snowshoe, right, where you come and you stay in the nice, nice resorts and you pay like 80 bucks for a ski lift and then, you know, yeah. ski ski around. This is your, more like pipe stem. You I know, guess you keep fucking everyone. saying that, but I don't know it. Well, it's um, a resort and state park. You know, it's got fishing, geocaching, camping, boating, biking, golfing, hiking, horseback right. riding. We can all Google. Um, okay, let's start with Aubrey. Aubrey, you and uh, most of the uh, sylphs that uh, came here to to ride the slopes uh, go out and uh, you get onto a ski lift to go to the top of Mount Kepler. Uh, you're probably there with Danny, uh, who looks at you from behind, you know, 18 layers of, of uh, thick fabric and says, um, so how many stunts do you think... Like, how many flips and grinds? Like, what do you think you're capable of? I know it's your first day, but, like, I yeah. guess my expectations are pretty high. 
I mean, probably, I would say 16 to 17, like six stunts, maybe like 16 and a half, if I had to guess. I can do the thing where I make my skis kind of shaped like pizza. Is that a stunt? That qualifies as a stunt, yeah, according to the X Games rules. Okay, well, that's one stunt, and then I can do the thing where they're like French fries side by side an inch forward. So, like, that's a stunt. And then I could do a thing where I try to stop and kind of fall over. So that's like three stunts right there. Uh, and then I can take my skis off and go home. So that's four stunts already. That's at least four good stunts. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as you reach the top and sort of uh, meet up with the rest of the sylphs who who reach the top of the ski lift, uh, Jake Kulais skis over and says, he boards over, I should say. He would not touch a fucking ski. He's a boarder for life. Uh, but he comes over to you and says like, okay, so uh, what are y'all feeling like? Should we just like head straight to Bone Mulcher? Or uh, do you want to go like work our way up to, to Bone Mulcher? You feeling like a black diamond, blue circle? Uh, what do you what do you what are you feeling like? Is there like uh like my first hill? I mean there's a bunny slope, but you, that's not gonna teach you the fundamentals. You gotta be in that real life life or death do hurtling you? down Yeah, I feel like it kinda you do a do little bit. He says, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll head to a nice little blue circle. We'll get you started out there. It's a bit of a longer one, so you'll be able to get your legs out on you. Uh, what's it What's it called? I'm having trouble remembering. The Slippery Dippery? I think it is the, yeah, yeah, here it is on the map, Slippery <laughs> Dippery. The Slippy Dip, as we call it, or the, the Slip Dip sometimes. If you are, you know, going by somebody on your snowboard really fast, and you want to be able to yell out the name to him in an efficient way but yeah we'll meet you uh, maybe the rest of the guy you know folks will meet up with us at the sli- top of the slip dip and uh we can just do a few practice runs down that so you know the pizza you know the french fries yeah i know That's- pizza i know french fries i know fall over and i know take skis off and go home a lot of people won't tell you this the pro skiers Pizza and French fries is basically all there is to it. Uh, Jake, I can't believe that's true. This I'm on two sticks on like ice and snow. It's really cold, and I hate that. Uh, and it feels like I'm missing something. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you are missing a lot of stuff, like uh, one of these. And he just like does a flip, standing How perfectly the still. Fuck did you do that? Yeah, you'll work your way up to it. Think of it as just like super advanced pizza and French fries. All right, let's go. And he pushes off towards the slip slip dip. Um, and we hop over to Ned. You are sitting in the lobby of the Mount Kepler uh, Ski Trails uh, Ski Lodge, and just it's real nice. There's a nice little uh, hearth going. There's uh, there's not too many people in here. Just a few folks uh, sitting around at these uh, various sort of benches and nice big comfy chairs by the fire. He's uh, wearing one of those big puffy vests. Oh, you know, that yeah, yeah, skier, yeah, yeah. you know, in like red, yellow, and blue, anticipating yeah, the new yeah, Captain yeah. Marvel movie. Yeah. With with no plans to actually ski, it's just a cut. It's no. like a, th- a what's it? What are the things they give dogs? A thunder, a thunder yeah, shirt, a thunder jacket. Yep, a yeah. thunder jacket. Yeah, um, just a nice warm vest on. Well, he's wearing and- the vest just in case somebody comes crashing through the window off the hill and slams into him. A real uh, danger at ski that's resorts. Why they worried. don't tell you that. He really worries. Sure. Um, and there is an attendant here that uh, comes to refresh your. Uh, comes to refresh your hot toddy. Uh, you've had a, a couple at this point. Got that nice. You've warm always belly. been here, Mister Chicane. And he tells you you died here in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a picture on the wall behind me. <gasps> yeah. Oh, 
We have several in fiction ghosts at this point, so I think I maybe should be careful what I make even remotely joke canon. <laughs> Can I change um, my scene to happen in the hedgeways out back? Um, maybe you'll crash into it. Okay. Uh, so this attendant comes to refresh your hot toddy, uh, and he looks at sort of your your uh, winter wear, and he says, um, "So are you? Uh, you planning on?" Hitting, heading up the mountain anytime soon to, to before we lose the daylight and getting a couple runs down? Oh, yes. Uh, that's why they call me the Black Diamond. Ned Black Diamond Chicane. I, uh, I do a lot of sluicing up there on the slopes, zipping on down, you know, ever since, you know, winning the World Cup of Skiing a few years ago. <laughs> the World Cup of Skiing? <laughs> Oh yes, yes. You know, all the all the countries send their best skiers and we ski in different places. And uh it's you know, once every 4 years, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I heard about that. I participated in the Super Bowl of snowboarding once and uh that went well. Won the uh <laughs> oh. won the snowboarding Stanley Cup for that ah, one, which is real exciting. Someone is putting his tip in danger. Yep, yeah, like we say up here on the mountain all the time, I've got an endangered tip. But uh, you be careful when you head up there now, all right? It seems like uh, something has it out for Kepler's Outdoor Activity Centers. You hear about what happened to H2O? Oh, that was a shame. I did hear about that. And it was always a, a great place. But, you know, they, they still have the pool. I guess they got the pool, but they got a lot of debris, too. Sounds like uh, what happened, based on what I've heard. I got some buddies in the force. They say that it seems like something ripped that park part now in that curious what's got enough power to tear apart a whole water park um wild dogs they i've i've heard a lot about wild dogs um we i mean large very large wild dogs uh and big feet they're the the big feet um you know if you if you cross the big feet they oh and they hate water recreation yeah, I could see the big feet and the dogs working together for sure. Yeah, they're I, all covered with hair, and you know they're they're like brothers and sisters for sure, for sure. I got a theory though. Mm-hmm. Don't nobody else want to hear it. I wonder if you might want to hear it. Of course, yes. I live on on theory. Well, it's aliens. Mm. Yeah, they're back here, back in Kepler. I had a little run in with them myself. It was Tuesday night, November 15th, 1988. I was out walking my dog, Braxton. Got sucked up in this wormhole dealie. All these little ephemeral beings started investigating me. I told them, drop me right back down or else I was going to get my 12-gauge. Fill their whole ass full of buckshot. And that must have scared them something fierce because they complied, drop me right back off. Ain't never seen hide nor hair of them since. Now, because I guess wow. they're back tearing up our water parks, guess they need a reminder. So you uh, you keep a lookout and come tell old Eugene if you see anything otherworldly <laughs> out there. Eugene, you know what is amazing to me? What's that, Ned? That a 50-plus-year-old man can make a living tending bar in a ski resort. How do you do that? That's for me to know and for you to find out. And I'm not really that interested. I just was trying to make conversation. All right. And he walks back to the bar of the ski lodge. And we hop over. Lovable Eugene. Now, Eugene, you're you're giving him the, the story. Ned, have you not heard this one before? Oh, about the aliens? 
Yeah, I love the part. Uh, How long have oh, you been standing there, Duck? Just walked up, but I, you know, I need about three seconds of that spiel before I can recite it pretty much word for word at this point. It was Tuesday night, November fifteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, we we know Eugene. Braxton know. was Braxton. there. Braxton. My precious it's Braxton dog. gone to Jesus. Braxton did no. Listen, <laughs> I don't mean to I don't mean to take you away from uh this this amazing tale oh God, please of take me away, adventure. Please. But uh I I have a very important errand that I need to run over at the uh Wolf's Ember Grill. Oh. So if, if you want to join me, I I'd, I'd be happy for your company. They have amazing poutine. Amazing poutine there. Yeah, let's go. No they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Read it on Yelp. No, but that's my style. My carving style is no, but. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Uh, all right, let's hop back to Aubrey. Aubrey, you're on the uh, slippery dippery. Um, and hey, why don't you roll to act under pressure? Let's see how you're doing. Oh my god, not great. What's, What's your cool? Pressure? But consistent. My cool is zero. Uh oh. So that's a six. You're doing fucking bad. I guess yeah. like experience. Okay, that's good. Okay, I, here's what I'll say. You're actually doing. You're doing all right. It is a blue circle. It is a nice. Uh, God, please let me make sure. Uh, no, it's green circle, blue square. Holy shit! I'm so glad I caught that. It's a Ooh. green circle. Nice, nice, calm sort of trail. Nice and uh, a nice long trail with some cool uh, twists, twists and turns through the nice snowy sort of uh, mountainside. It's it's a nice scenic run, and you're doing okay with it. And you're keeping up pace with with everybody as they sort of go down uh, with you. You're sort of side by side with Danny and Barclay and Jake as as they are uh, going down the hill. Uh, but you kind of break o- break away because you're not so great at, at controlling your speed. Whoa, whoa. Uh, and you, There's a lot of that. You get to like the only kind of steep part of the hill and... As you uh, go over the edge of it and start to go downward, you realize that there's some stuff on the hill uh, that looks like it maybe shouldn't be there. There's like a like a plastic ramp that somebody has put there. There's like a um, there's like a sawhorse, but like really really long that has been laid out right in front of that ramp, almost like a uh, a nice grinding rail like they call them, and uh, just like some obstacles that are set up that uh, you are just not prepared for. Your pizza and french fries proof sort of un uh, it make you incapable of, of navigating these. And I think you hit that ramp and just come crashing down and uh, break through that sawhorse for zero harm. Oh, whoops. Yeah, I don't think it's a serious enough thing that I would make you take damage for it. It's a lunar interlude episode. We're just ha- trying to have some fun here. Um, but quickly, like the the other sylphs, they pull up beside you and, and come to a, a stop. And uh, Danny says, holy shit. Okay, that did qualify as a stunt. But are you uh, okay? Is your neck hurt? I th- are, we supposed to, are we supposed to move her if her neck's hurt? It's a no, right? How's your neck? Fine. Let me. Yes. Still there. Jake is sort of eyeing over the, this, these, these obstacles that somebody has put out on the hill, uh, and you see behind you as you're kind of craning your neck around a figure come over that slope and, and come down towards you. Uh, he's a young guy in his early 20s. He's got a short-cropped like mohawk. He's wearing a, uh, a black windbreaker with an insignia on, on the breast featuring what looks like a hornet 
on it, and uh, he's holding a camcorder, and he kicks up snow in that really cool way that um, like bullies do in movies as he skids to a stop in front of you, and he uh, he says, "Now that's the weirdest thing. Y'all are standing on the slip and dip, which." Us Hornets are shooting our newest promo video on, but I don't recognize y'all from the Hornets. Now, I might have missed a meeting or or something and and missed some new recruits, but I think y'all might just kind of be in the way, fucking up my shot. Isn't that weird? Hornets? Yeah, you ain't heard of the Hornets? It's just, if I were going to pick, like, some kind of, like, mascot for, like, like snow extreme sport hornets are not known for like their sick ice tricks well hornets aren't just exclusive to the snow listen you don't need to know everything there is to know about the hornets you just need to know that you don't want to get on our bad side so i'm i'm gonna suggest y'all get the fuck out of here head to a different trail bunny slope might be better just by the looks of just sort of your pizza french fries technique it's okay it's getting there but it's not quite super stable yet um so get Skid, skidaddle? No. Rumble. He uh, hops off his board and starts to take a couple steps towards your party, and then he looks at Jake Cool Ice and he says, Oh, I get it. I don't know why I assumed y'all might be hornets if you're hanging with a scrub like Jake Cool Ice. Excuse me? Uh, let's hop over to Duck and Ned. I might have peeked a little <laughs> bit there. Yeah, it's all right. You got you to gotta right. defend our boy. We can just sit over here in the uh, in the corner. This booth's normally where I where I post up. You hungry? Well, I was had my heart set on some poutine, but you say there isn't any. No, uh, there's not. It's a pretty uh, <laughs> straight up and down place. What they do have, though, and I'll I'll order for the both of us specifically the greatest French onion soup you've ever had in your entire life. Now don't play with me. I know, Ned. I know. I know it sounds like a big swing it for the, prince, the fences promise, and I know that you've traveled all over this, uh, this beautiful country of ours, but I'm telling you, it's the best French onion soup I've ever had in my entire life. Funny enough, I, I got the recipe once. I, the chef, uh, Hubert, I, I gave him a, a jump when his Camry was dead back in... I guess it was probably 06, 07. And uh, I traded in the recipe for a jump. Now, I would have given him the jump anyway, but, you know, I decided to make a run for it. Tried to... Uh, Hubert, I, Hubert eyes you from the kitchen through a small gap and, like, a, a, a window between the kitchen and the dining room, just, like, giving you the stink eye because he knows you know his dark secret. <laughs> the The secret is, and this is going to fuck you up, I, I took it home and uh, I, I tried to make it. I re- the only one part of my plan that kind of broke down is I can't cook for shit. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with basically chicken broth and onion rings, which was not the desired effect. The only thing that even seems weird when I Google other recipes, they put anise in it, like a little bit of anise. You taste, you'll taste it when we get it. But um, it it's honestly it's gonna it's gonna knock you on your ass, and I I you will never have a better French onion soup. Hubert walks over to your table. I don't even think he needs you all to order. I think he knows what you need. I there think he, he knows is. what you crave. And he places the uh, the the cup of soup down in front of Ned. And sure enough, this oh Ned, 
Ah, oh, Ned, the smell. Ned, the smell, Ned. It's mm, the cheesiness. It's, a, it's unfathomable. Yeah. There is a nice, nice sort of uh, browning of this cheese <laughs> layer that's dripping over the side of this nice, like, terracotta like pot that this fucking soup's in. It's so good. And he holds the cup out, uh, and he's ho- he's still holding yours, duck, and he's just kind of looking at you. Uh, we're we're pretty excited about it. There, Hubert. Uh, thanks for uh, bringing it uh, by. He kind of grimaces he leans down he says have you kept have you kept it secret yeah hubert i mean it's not yeah i mean i i mentioned one of the ingredients to my friend here but you could you can trust him i i didn't i only told him about the the one thing i didn't mention the the amish gruyere you use or nothing like oh that oh my god I, ah damn it i'm sorry hubert listen ned's not ned's good ned you're not gonna cook this good soup are you Mm, I'm not right away, no. Ned, please don't fuck with Hubert, man. He's dangerous. I've seen this guy do some shit. Please don't fuck with Hubert. (laughs) Hubert, you have my word as an honest gentleman. Hubert, I know this man is genetically incapable of sounding like he's telling the truth. I don't know why he says everything like that, Hubert, but please, you have to believe him. He sets the cup of soup down in front of you now, duck. And he stands up over the table, and he looks at both of you, sort of unsure if he can trust you. And he just says, right before he walks away, I know Krav Maga. And he walks away and leaves. <laughs> he does. Oh, let's What? Hell yeah, let's get here. No, go on. I want to. I want to wait to eat because I want to see you. I just. I. I don't. I know this is weird. I just want to. I just want to watch. Well, to start with, I'm going to reach down and pull up just a little bit of the cheese that has melted over the side. <laughs> And kind of lift that, and it kind of lifts the whole flap of cheese, just just a, a taste, just a little bit, to let the the aroma come out, and I and it wafts out. Yeah, pop it in my mouth, and it it practically melts. There's like no chewing, yeah. involved. That's what you want. See, a lot of people just put a slab of, uh, of cheese on there, no. but you got to grate it because it mixes into the soup, right? That's what Hubert told me, at least. And look at the, the bread from the bread cube that's that's in the middle of what? What is that? It, it looks like a, like a bagel almost. The bread from a bagel. Look at the size Brioche. of that thing. Brioche. Oh, so we have brioche and gruyere. Oh, yeah. It's not an easy to pronounce soup, but it sure is easy to eat. I'll All tell right. you. It's time for a spoonful. It's actually pretty gross. No, I'm just kidding. It's fucking great. Uh, in fact, as you two uh, both duck and in, tuck into this soup, uh, you both get one experience point just from how tasty the soup Good is. Good soup. All right. And I saying that I realize you could just keep coming here and just fucking farm. What's up, y'all? This is this our Judas. It's it's these are the crush bone belts. This is an any percent run of the Adventure Zone Amnesty. <laughs> you want to skip a lot of the leveling? You just go to the Ember Wolf or whatever it was. Wolf Ember. Uh, wolf Ember. Okay, so let's finish our soup. Here's 20 minutes of soup eating noises. No, I, and I've I've cut it. It's gone. <laughs> we did record it. Just so you all know. So, right? Was I lying? Mm-mm. Duck, I I owe you. That was life-changing. That soup has it was soup for the soul. Somebody ought to write a book like that. French onion soup for the soul. It's got I mean, it's catchy. You Here's a wild thing. Okay. It, you got we got a few more minutes, right? All right, hold on. Yeah. So, okay. It was uh right around my 18th birthday and my uh 
lady friend at the time, Tabitha, uh, brought me up here, sort of like a welcome to adulthood kind of thing. She had a lot of friends that I didn't really get along with. She was like, uh, sh- she was slumming it with Duck. Let's just put it. Let's just put it that way. Her daddy had a lot of money, and I didn't really get along with her friends too well. And they came up here all the time, but this was my first time coming up here. And I went out on the slopes, and none of them wanted to do the skiing class because they'd all been coming up here for however long. So I would have been the only one, you know, learning how to ski. So they, I just kind of went out with everybody, and uh, I basically just kind of fell my way down the hill. Like some of it was on my ass, and none of it was on my feet. I just kind of like trumbled. That's not a word, but it fits. It is now. I trumbled my way down to the bottom of the hill, and I've never been so cold, and I've never been so tired. And I right then and there, I took, they were all skiing, having a hell of a time, and and I just wandered over here to the Wolf Ember, and uh, I don't know what prompted me to order French onion soup. I, I think they may have even brought it by mistake, but when I tasted it, I realized I had never eaten French onion soup, and it was the best thing I'd ever put in my mouth. And I'd spent years, 18 years, missing out on French onion soup. Like, all the times I could have eaten French onion soup, I love the stuff. Had no idea. And that, that was all I could think about. And that night was the first time I turned down Minerva. Because all I could think about, and she was talking about me put my life out and and risking it all all i could think about and i know this is stupid but all i could think about was all the french onion soup i'd missed and if i died all the french onion soup that i'd miss out on in the future i swear to god but i turned down saving the world to eat french onion soup and when i say it out loud to you now in this exact context I feel like kind of an asshole about it, if I'm being honest. I get that. It's good soup, though, right? It's great soup if you're going to do it for anybody. Matter of fact, yeah. I, I have a special guest here to ask. Come come in for just a moment, please. We're talking about French onion soup. Um, it's your grandmother, boys. It's, it's <laughs> Nani is here. <laughs> Hi, Nani. Wait a minute. Here. Wait a minute. So tell the boys what's the best French onion soup you ever had. <laughs> She's thinking. Prince Tavern in Huntington, West Virginia. What was so special about it? Do you do you what what made it so delicious? For some reason, French onion soup is a hot topic on this episode. It just had more body. It was very flavorful. It was and they had the croutons. It was wonderful. There you go. There that you go. It sounds real good. And that was in Huntington. You that can't get that. You can't yeah. get that in Cincinnati, not in Lexington, not up not in Not even DC. in Huntington anymore. That place is close. Oh, Thank okay. you, Nani. Thanks, Nani. Bye, Nani. All right. I just thought I'd bring in an expert there since we were talking about French onion soup. <laughs> yeah. Now Nani exists in the fiction of our universe, which is going to take some time to like, process it. <laughs> um, Aubrey, we'll hop back to you. Things have gotten kind of heated uh, on, on the hill. Like uh, hot the- French onion soup. I love you all dearly, very much as my family. I would bury a Bowie knife in any of your chests to eat French onion soup this exact oh, no. second. <laughs> bury it to the hilt. 
Oh man, I, I see a merch opportunity for us. <laughs> we're gonna sell soup. That doesn't. That's yeah. soup. Yeah. We're gonna sell loose soup. Have you ever seen soup sold? I mean, like French onion soup sold in a store? No. Yeah, Have you not. ever seen French onion soup sold in a store? <laughs> it's a heck of a question. Let's go back to the other scene. <laughs> okay, um, things are things have started to get kind of heated, um, and right as it seems like a perhaps even a brouhaha might break out, definitely uh, a row of some sort. Yes, you see a dozen figures uh, now come skiing and snowboarding down that hill. Uh, that this guy just came down, uh, and they are all descending in this perfect flying V. And as they stop in perfect formation, uh, the the person in the front of this crew pops off of their board and approaches you. Um, and their jacket stands out from the rest of their unit. It's it's bright yellow with black accents with a uh, a striped ring around the collar. They're wearing these slick looking black sunglasses over this like neoprene half face mask, uh, which they pull down off their face as they dismount. And they snap, and Keith stands to attention, as do the rest of the hornets behind them. And they say, that's enough, Keith. We've uh, we've got enough footage today, I think, anyways. It's nice to see you, Jake. And Jake looks kind of in, in stunned silence as, uh, as they continue speaking, and they say, I uh, hope my overeager lieutenant here didn't cause you all too much trouble. The hornets have... No qualms with other extreme sports enthusiasts just looking to get a little adrenaline rush. You you have my apologies. And you would be... Uh, my name is Hollis. I'm, I guess you could say I'm sort of in charge of this little outfit. And this is Keith. He's my lieutenant. And he gets, he gets a little excited sometimes. I try to keep it down. Sometimes it's a good quality to have, but not when he's just making trouble for strangers. We were just shooting a little promo video here today and... Uh, I, I, I guess you all sort of got in the shot, but I think I think we got enough other footage, don't you think, Keith? And Keith kind of grimaces and nods. Promo video for the the Hornets for what? Uh, to put on the internet, you know, to uh, raise our profile a little bit, try and get some sponsorships, maybe. Uh, we're uh, we're always scrapping out here, always trying to make a buck. Uh, speaking of which, we should probably get back and start editing. We got a, a big mountain bike uh, shoot happening tomorrow that we uh, need to get ready for. So uh, have a good rest of your day on the hill. Do some sick stunts. Okay, sick jacket. Uh, They snap, and everybody sort of hops back on their boards, uh, and they turn to you, and uh, Hollis says, Hey, cool hair. And just like that, all the uh, hornets uh, take off on their boards and skis once more and go flying down the mountain in this formation, except for Keith, who kind of sneers at you all for like another few seconds with disdain before following behind. Aubrey uses magic to melt the snow (laughs) right in front of Keith. Just a little bit. Yeah, roll to use magic then. Oh, Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's the good shit. A well, four. A four plus two. Six. Dang, how's your, how's your magic? Oh, no. I killed Keith. Mark experience again. No, here's what happens. Well, I've just leveled up. Yeah, congrats. You melt the snow in front of Keith, and he eats shit. Uh, <laughs> or rather, snow, I should say. Um, and then he stands up and looks really confused and really, really startled. And then he... Looks back at you, Aubrey, and is just kind of staring at you dumbfounded for a while and looks back down at the melted snow and then back up at you and then kind of looks a little, like, scared. The ozone layer, huh? That was weird. And then, like, as you start talking, he, like, 
freaks out and hops back on his board and snowboards away. That's going to be a fun hard move to play with later. Uh, <laughs> and Jake clears his throat and he says, Hey, I'm sorry about that, everybody. I uh, I used to roll with them back when they had a, they had a different name. We uh, called ourselves the Kepler Stunt Club back then. We were all... That is know, a much better name. I know. I thought so, too. We were just, you know, thrill seekers of, you know, different sorts. We were sharing our passion for... You know, mountain biking and skateboarding and snowboarding and, and break you know, dancing, motocross, just all, all kinds of stuff that this this wonderful sort of state allows us ample access to. And then the sheriff, I guess, started cracking down a little bit on us. They were, you know, he was saying we're a bit of a nuisance and parents just don't understand, huh? Yeah. So I guess some of them decided the best way to push back against the law and keep doing what they wanted to do was to go, you know, a little bit more illegitimate. So started calling themselves. Hornets, and they picked Hollis as their leader, and that that wasn't my scene, so I took off, and they've sort of harbored a bit of a beef ever since then. Um, and then Barkley kind of like jumps, uh, and then he reaches to his hip, and he pulls out a pager, uh, and he says, "Oh shit, oh shit." Uh, so good news, Mama woke up. Bad news. She did flee the hospital, so we need to get back to the lodge, like, right now. I'm already there. I just running down the, the... It does stunt number four, take off skis, go home. And Ned orders two bowls of soup to go so we can get two more experience points and level up. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like old room temperature French onion soup. Oh, love it. Let's hop forward. The three of you and Barclay are the first ones to arrive back at the lodge, uh, which looks sort of even more idyllic with this like fresh dusting of snow. There's some icicles hanging from the roof uh, and of the branches of the surrounding trees and the fallen sort of frozen needles crunch beneath your feet as you step out of the car and walk towards the entrance to the lodge. But as you approach, you notice something unusual. There is a cellar door off by sort of the corner of the front of this building that you have never really noticed before, and it is currently propped open. Uh, There's a a chain and an unlocked padlock that are hanging off of its handle. Let me see what's going on in here with my my instincts that I've honed in my many years of patrolling the parks. Are you gonna? So that would probably read a bad situation. Yeah, just you get mad at me when I say that, so I'm trying to put it all fancy. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And make you say it. That's a five. Looks fine to me, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Take it. Um, Take it from me. Uh, That would. What do you add to that? Sharp. Sharp. Um, Yeah. So a six, actually. Jesus Christ. It's a good thing you all didn't fucking... On the last episode, which was uh, arguably a more high-stakes episode than this mostly suit-based affair that we've had this time, you all were rolling fucking those double sixes. And I guess it's a good thing that these episodes weren't switched and you weren't, you know, crushing your soup rolls and getting killed by the big water monster. But uh, I get to take a hard move. Nice. And... I think what that is, is as you approach, you all sort of hesitate for a bit so Duck can try to, you know, sniff out the scene. And as you are hesitating, you see Mama. And she comes out of the cellar and sees the four of you and then slams the cellar door shut. And she turns back from the cellar door and faces all of you very quickly and says, Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. 
how are y'all doing? It's uh it's been a it's been a bit, and I'm so glad to see y'all looking well. Uh, and she kind of like hobbles uh, a, a little bit closer to you all. You can tell she's definitely not favoring that that busted up ankle that has a cast around it. She says, "Uh, how was your um, how was October? Did y'all have any fun Halloween plans or anything?" Mama, um, three questions. Where have you been? Why did you leave the hospital? And why would you go into the cellar? Yeah, maybe we could talk about all of this inside and head in, head to the inside of the Amnesty Lodge. I, I miss it so bad, and you know, I left a I left a bagel in the toaster, and I got real worried about that. So I want to just check on the bagel situation before maybe we unpack all that. Uh, she's behaving weirdly. I'm gonna do read a bad situation. If okay, I, that's a nine plus one, so a ten. Okay. First things first, when I read a bad situation, I can use my magic eye, my third eye. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be relevant here. There's there's, there's no magic stuff happening. Uh, so she doesn't day. seem, like, enchanted or possessed or whatever. No, 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 no. Nope, it's just Mama, and she's a little, you know, busted up, but she's not, uh, you know, a skinwalker. So, read a bad situation. You have questions. What's my best way in? What's my best way out? Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? What's the biggest threat? What's most vulnerable? I would say, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Like, I'm going to say Aubrey notices she's acting kind of weird and does, like, quick look around and really, like, takes a hard look at Mama. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, there's uh, a low sort of constant sort of bestial growl coming from the cellar. Okay. Mama? Can't help but notice that your basement is growling. Well, you know, I've had some chili earlier. Mama. (sighs) Why did you have to hear the fucking... Okay. All right. I guess there's no point in keeping this all from y'all for much longer. And she opens up the cellar door, and she walks inside and beckons the four of you to come follow. Uh, I follow, and then I'm going to say, what's the biggest threat? What's going on here, Mama? What is this? Um, the rest of you following as well? Yeah. Ned tosses back the the last of the styrofoam cup of French onion soup and follows That in. he's been drinking the whole time? Yeah. Uh, the four of you descend down into the cellar. I will answer your question in just a moment. Okay. As you walk down into the cellar, the four of you are kind of, or I should just speak for the three of you, are sort of shocked at how spacious it is down here. It's It's not just spacious, but it seems also kind of like lived in. Um, this, this cellar is easily the size of the lodge's lobby, and it appears to be sort of cut into several different sections, all in a considerable state of, of disrepair. Uh, there's like a rec room looking space with a big couch in front of like a, an old CRT TV hooked up to an old PlayStation one. Uh, there's a little library, like reading corner with some bookshelves that are all just completely empty. Uh, there's a section of it that looks like it used to be sort of a functioning gym with a, uh, a weight bench with uh, no actual dumbbell on it and uh, a, sort of a busted up training dummy. Uh, there's like a workshop with a dingy looking bench and like a barren wall mounted tool rack. Uh, and then finally, there's like a little kitchenette in a little alcove of the cellar uh, and it's cupboards and it has like a small refrigerator. They are all standing open and the contents uh, of all of them are strewn across the ground. There's cans and wrappers and empty boxes of food. It looks like this, this chamber was 
uh, recently cordoned off from the rest of the cellar. There's uh, what appears to be a large net made of these thick ropes. And as you look at them, uh, these ropes have like this shimmering thread woven into them, almost like the, the sylvan fabric that you all have seen in the past and kind of what your, your vest is made out of, Aubrey. Uh, and so this net is hanging over the entrance to the kitchenette, and through it, you see the big danger, Aubrey. At the center of this kitchenette, there is a a man. There is a, 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 an older man with unkempt, wild gray hair and this ratty-looking beard. Um, he's wearing like a button-down shirt and some khakis, but they're all just ruined. They are all just dingy and oily and torn. Um, and as you all enter the room, he looks in your direction, and he just looks absolutely feral. He, he sort of bares his filthy teeth at you and emits this, this low growl that you heard outside. That is what is the most dangerous thing in the room. Well, Ned has extensive experience with weird shit from the Cryptonomicon, so uh, I'm a Cryptonomic assume- Cryptonomica. Cryptonomica, right? So I think he's going to step close to the net and and peer through it and really analyze this guy and try to figure out what sort of creature he is. Uh, okay, yeah, with a 10, you hold two, so you get to ask two questions. And what sort of creature is it was your question. And the answer to that is it's a human. It is a, a human man that just looks like uh, he has completely uh, lost his senses and turned into this this sort of uh, bestial figure that you see crouched on the ground in front of you behind this net. Well, then the second question is what is being concealed here? You uh, take a quick glance around the room, and you notice there is actually one book that is sitting on a table in sort of the reading corner of the room. It's the only book there. The rest have been cleared out uh, and leaving the room in this sort of state of disrepair. Uh, And that book is a journal, and inscribed on the front of the journal, you can see a name. And that name is Thacker? Thacker. Good. Wow. Hey. Good fucking. Whoa. That's that's fucking unbelievable. I'm not not a complete moron. I've played. I've been around. I'm not complete. (laughs) It is the name of Thacker, who, uh, if you remember, is the owner of the computer and the sort of former record keeper of the Pine Guard, uh, who I believe Barclay explained went missing a while ago. And as you notice that, Barclay also says, Holy shit, that's Thacker. Mama, where the fuck did you find Thacker? Mama kind of sighs, and then she hobbles over to a uh, a, a load-bearing sort of uh, pillar in the center of the room. There's a few of these sort of strewn about. She leans up against one to take some weight off her ankle, and she says, All right, so, uh, God, where to fucking start? Y'all are a bit new to this, so... There's a bit of context you're probably missing out on. I've been doing this for 30 years, and you used to be able to set your watch by the abominations. They've they've always been dangerous, but they used to be predictable. But now they're getting stronger. They're starting to break the rules. Out of curiosity, what was that last abomination like, the one I missed out on? It was wet. You know, it was a real watery one. And it gathered around water and made itself, like, bigger, and it was, like, you know, a watery monster thing. 
And she kind of chuckles and she says, so let me get this straight. We get a powerful fire wielding magician that joins our party. And the next abomination is made out of water. Don't you think that's a heck of a coincidence? Oh, wait, are you, you saying somebody planned it? She says, I don't know, but for whatever reason, recently, the abominations, they started playing for keeps. So I went out and I tried to find Thacker. He he left years ago. He had and when when she says his name, he kind of like lifts his head up and snarls and then kind of like leans back down uh to to his sort of focused on the floor uh position. She says he he left years ago. He headed out to Sylvain, see what he could learn about well, where the abominations come from. He he went beyond the walls of the city out there. He went into the corrupted lands that surround Sylvain where those unlucky enough to get trapped, end up getting, you know, a little nasty. And he studied those folks. He, he survived out there in the inhospitable wilds all the time looking for Source of the Abominations. Now, it took me a long time to find him. And when I did, he, well, he was, he was like this. He spent a bit too much time out in the dark. He lost himself out there. But I managed to get him back here. It wasn't easy. But I managed to get him back here, lock him up down here, down at, well, I haven't been down here in a bit. This actually used to be a safe haven for the Pine Guard, where we did our work back when there were, you know, enough of us to justify having a safe haven. Anyway, he's not especially talkative, as you can see, but as was his charge here with the Pine Guard, he kept records of his studies in his journals. He didn't find anything. She uh, holds up one of his journals and says, He found, you know, some feral sylphs, sure, but nothing like the abominations we've faced in the past. No, you know, cracks in the fabric of reality that these things keep slipping through. He looked for years, y'all, and he found just, he found Dick. (laughs) And who is Dick? The plot thickens. No, he found nothing. He didn't find anything, and... What y'all got to understand, something that I've been realizing over the last couple years of hunting monsters to protect this town is we fight the abominations to protect Kepler because someone's got to do it. But one day we're going to face something stronger and craftier than we are and we're going to lose. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we're going to slay every damn thing that comes through that gate. Until we get old and until we lose our edge. Until someone maybe gets wise about the portal who, you know, crosses over and starts a war with Sylvain. Or until the gate shuts down and opens up somewhere else on Earth, turns into somebody else's problem. It's starting to feel a bit like a futile effort, so I I headed out into the wilds of Sylvain to try and find somebody that I hope might have an answer, but once again, we've come up empty. She uh, sets the book down, and she turns towards you all, and she looks... um. She, she doesn't look as sprightly as she usually does. She looks pretty tired. She says, A pine guard's work is hard, and it's necessary, but really it's just a stall. Un- unless we can figure out where the abominations are coming from, one day the monsters are going to win. This is Griffin McElroy, your Dungeon Master, your best friend, and your people's champion of the WWF. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Adventure Zone Amnesty, episode 12, our first sort of proper lunar interlude. Hope you enjoy it. 
We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2. Schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show.
Got a message here for Mike, and it's from Astra, Havard, Vurek, and Zerg, who say, six years real time, six months game time, inept interrogation, wanton artifact destruction, and home alone exports. Happy birthday, Mike. Thanks for being our terrific and ever-patient DM and for all the amazing props over the years. We're also sorry for always ruining your stuff. At least we only spent three hours deliberating on this message. This is the most D&D party-ass message I've ever heard, all the way down to sorry that we sort of coordinated to ruin your uh, brilliant storytelling. Uh, and also, it took us three hours to make like a decision on essentially three sentences worth of content. But hey, Mike, happy birthday. Keep up the great work. Here's a message for Heather, and it's from Sam, who says, surprise. Hi, Heather. I got you a Jumbotron for your birthday or our anniversary or Christmas, whatever holiday fits. Maybe none of those. Uh, Thanks for taking me on tons of adventures, including traveling across the country to see those good, good boys. Anyways, love you lots, Sam. Now that there is just one of them sweet messages. That's one of those sweet messages that I love so much. Each time I read one, it adds like two weeks to my life. So keep them coming. I want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. If you do so, you might end up as a character in the show. Characters like Eugene, named for uh, Eugene Archibald on Twitter. Thank you, Eugene. Or Keith, named for Keith Wellman on Twitter. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, keep it keep it going. We're about to start a new sort of act in the story. So uh, now's a great time to share the, the show with uh, your friends on Twitter, and you might end up as a character. And we sure do appreciate, appreciate you, you know, spreading, spreading the word and uh, helping us sort of build our, our audience. It means a lot that, that you all have done that so uh, so much already. So thank you all very much. And thank you to Max Fun for having us on the network. You can go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows there. Uh, shows like Stop Podcasting Yourself, shows like uh, Bubble, and so many more. We actually uh, were on an episode of Bubble that came out last week. If you haven't heard it, uh, go check out Bubble. It's a really fun time. So we're going to get to leveling up now. Um, this is a lunar interlude. This is when we do this. This, is, this will also be sort of when we do the Heathcliff stuff in future episodes, but we already kind of did that this arc, so going to going to wait on that. Um, but we're going to level up. Before we get to that, I have kind of, in fiction, given you all sort of a free bonus, um, and it's one that it's like a level up perk that belongs to the expert that I think is really cool, but none of you all are playing the expert, and I was worried that we wouldn't get to that. And also, like, I don't think we... I think we were a little slow on the leveling in the uh, pilot arc, so this is kind of a freebie. And that bonus is a haven, uh, which is a mechanic in the game. It is a... exactly what it sounds like. It is a headquarters for you all to sort of use at your leisure. Uh, And how it works is you sort of design it by choosing the rooms that you want to have in it. So in in fiction, this is the cellar of the Amnesty Lodge. It's a secure location that uh, each of you are going to get to pick one room or one sort of section of the cellar uh, that will be able to provide you some sort of bonus or some sort of benefit or some sort of like in fiction capability. Uh, For instance, you could pick the oubliette, which is a you know, a prison that you could keep a monster in or some sort of spirit or magic thing that you don't know anything about. Uh, you could pick a workshop. Uh, you could pick uh, an armory. Uh, you could pick... There, there's there's a whole bunch of options, and each of you are going to get to pick one thing, uh, which you will then kind of rebuild inside of the cellar and then have access to. So I'm going to drop a list of these into roll 20. But yeah, there is the uh, lore library. You can hit the books to investigate now that means like if there has to be 
a reasonable way for there to be a book about what you're investigating. But if you do do that and you're in your lore library, you get a plus one to your investigate the mystery role. Uh, there is the mystical library where you can consult occult tomes, which will grant you plus one forward uh, next time you use magic. So just the first time you use magic, after that, you'll get a plus one on the roll. Um, you can get a protection spell on your haven, which makes it safe from monsters. Monsters cannot enter. Um, you can get an armory where you have a stockpile of weapons. And if you need a special weapon, you can roll plus weird, uh, on a 10 plus you have it uh, on a seven to nine, you have it, but only the minimum. I don't really know what that means. Or on a miss, you have the wrong thing. Um, we might use that for, you know, tools and not weapons since we do have kind of another way of getting you all gear in in right the there's an infirmary where you can help heal people a workshop where you can repair things uh there is the oubliette like i mentioned there is the panic room which has uh supplies where you can hide out for a few days safe from pretty much anything and a magical laboratory where you can uh find tools needed for casting spells including big magic which is a thing that we haven't really gone over but um yeah so those are your options i want each of you to pick one room to sort of uh repair and build in the cellar of amnesty lodge i think i'm gonna go with magical library because laboratory because it specifically like mentions big magic which is a thing that i would like to start exploring real quick big magic is something that is bigger than the um it's bigger than like the capabilities of what the magic using moves are in the game so a thing like for instance resurrecting a dead party member is a thing you can do with big magic but the terms and conditions of big magic are entirely up to me i can make it cost whatever the fuck i want it to cost i can make it as arduous as i want to make it um i can also just say like no you can't resurrect anybody you don't know how that is just not possible but if you want to accomplish something that is sort of outside the rules of the game and we sort of agree on the terms of it then big magic is what you do so i guess if you had the magical laboratory laboratory you'd have a place to do it and i would probably you know make it a little bit easier for you to at least get the shit that you need to to well let me ask you this magical laboratory seems like it would make it easier for me to do it but magical mystical library seems like it would be a better excuse for aubrey to know how to do things that up till now she has not been able to do here's what i'll say because I want this to be sort of our ethos in, in playing this game rather than how we play D&D, don't min-max this. What's going to be more interesting for you, for Aubrey to have on I think I think it's going to be the library, because that's okay. the thing, is up till now, she's been really hungry to learn anything about magic, learn how to do other magic, and her mentor person over in Sylvain told her to like try to take some time and study and pay attention. So, so when you use the mystical library, you've got like a collection of of tomes from Janelle, maybe like a small collection that uh, she allows you to take with you. And uh, when you're you know working on your magic stuff, you have a place to do it now, and also have sort of this kind of small but it it could be useful mechanical benefit as well now i will say i don't want you coming back to your magic like if you're out in the middle of a battle and you're like i need to hit him with a really good fireball i'm just going to go back to the mystical laboratory real quick and get the buff like i would not do that prep thing i got you yeah uh okay juice dad in character i think ned would would go for a panic room but I can't see that being very... I was just thinking about that. It's like narratively, like yeah. where would that be interesting for us to like hide out? Here's what I'll say. If you want to do a panic room, I'll find a way 
to give you a good panic room scenario. Like, I, if, and I will also say this: if you don't pick panic <laughs> room, I will episode. If like, you, I can remember all the good times we've had together. Let's just think about a few of them again. I, I will also say, if you don't pick panic room, I'm also going to think of a scenario that is going to make you say, "God, I wish we'd picked a fucking panic well, room." And that's the thing: is panic rooms are not just good for you, but if we have another thing like Calvin or something where it's like this person is in danger, well. Like, yeah, along those same lines, though, the infirmary, I mean, how many times have we had somebody have to go to the hospital so far just in, you know, the in the arc? Yeah, I, again, do the thing that to you you think is going to be the most fictionally interesting. Uh, okay, I'm going to stick with my initial gut instinct and, and I want a panic room. Okay. But I want a really cool one with like dartboards, you know, and... You know, air mattresses and not cots. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it just being like a big sort of cinder block room that is sort of carved out of the ground, like a very, very sturdy room with like a heavy metal door that you can lock from yeah. lock from uh, inside or outside and if you so choose. Cans has... and cans and cans of French onion soup. <laughs> yeah, this is like your bug out room where if shit gets very, very, very bad... You all have a place to hide, or you have a you know a safe place to store somebody, or a, you know a place to you know put somebody that you don't want going anywhere for a little while. I, I really like that pick. I think that's good. Uh, juice. I am going to do the infirmary, but the only thing that I have is the uh, we have sort of like a uh, wildlife rescue center. You know, for like, especially for uh, for animals that are injured or what what have you. Okay. So the only gear and equipment and meds that I was able to swipe, uh, or sorry, borrow, um, were were ones designed for animals. So I have we have an infirmary. All the tools and meds are designed for animals. So using the things there is going to be uh, a bit a bit more challenging. I like that very much. Uh, okay, so we have a mystical library, a panic room, and an infirmary down here. Um, I'll give you the the rec room for free. You have a nice place to chill out and play Crash Bandicoot. Hell yeah. Um, cool. So you all have a haven. Please remember that you have it whenever you need sort of an infiction uh, place to do these things, whether it's treating wounds or uh, you know learning about magic or you need a place to bug out. That is sort of why this place exists. Uh, and now that we've done that, we need to answer the questions that we do here on the Adventure Zone. You remember, we've done them exactly once before. Did we conclude the current mystery? Yeah, I think yes. yes. The, uh, talking about the French onion soup mystery, we concluded the fuck out of Solved it. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we save someone from certain death or worse? Gosh, yeah. more than once. Yeah. Couple of times. We did the old people in the pool. We did Calvin. Yes. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. The old I don't know that you necessarily saved Calvin at, Well, I mean, yeah, sure. I think you saved Calvin. We saved Jake. He was gonna he was gonna buy Yeah, it. Jake was gonna be fit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, yes, you saved lots of people. Uh did we learn something about the uh did we learn something new and important about the world? Yeah. I mean, I think your I think your visit to Sylvain alone that that episode you learned quite a yes. bit. Uh, yeah. and did we learn something new and important about one of the hunters? Yeah. I can do different types of magic. Also, Duck fucking loves French onion soup. Yeah, we learned a lot about that. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so if you get three or four questions as yes, you mark two experience points. Hell yeah. 
Uh, so with that, we should have, uh, I know it, all of you at least leveled up once during this arc and this lunar interlude, maybe some of you twice. Let's, uh, let's get to it. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Ned. Ned, how are you doing on experience? Ned has leveled up exactly once. Cool. Yeah, because of his high success rate in rolls. Um, cool. So you have uh, you, you see the improvements section, right? Uh, you can increase uh, sharp, tough, cool, or charm by one. Unless you've what was your last one? You got an ally, right? You gained uh, right. You gained a a a crony in Kirby, which uh, you didn't really use this time. I would encourage you to remember that. Well, I tried. I tried to. We weren't around him very much. Yeah, that's a good point. Can you come back to me? Yeah, um, Duck. Let's start with you. What uh? What's uh? How many? What was your your leveling up situation like? You did beef it a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time. I did. I leveled up, and then I won extra, one okay. extra experience. I think that I am going to. There's a move here, uh, uh, devastating. When you inflict harm, you may inflict plus one harm. I was thinking about that, but that seems like similar to tough. Like, because I increased my ass-kicking abilities last time. Sure. Um, And I think that I am going to go with take one sharp. I feel like he's learning, like, he's never been in situations like this before, but he is learning about them, and he has been through some stuff at this point that has, like, heightened his senses a little bit. Okay. And that's maybe part of his, like, power set or whatever, so. Uh, Cool. Uh, so pl- take plus. What's that bring your sharp up to? Two. I mean, that's yeah. very good. I mean, it can only go up to three. Two is a very, very good, good bonus. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's. Uh. Trav. Dad. Who's ready? I am ready. Um. So there is a uh, spell slinger move called Practitioner. Choose two effects available to you under Use Magic and take plus one to Use Magic whenever you choose one of those effects. I'm going to say that she has had enough practice uh, with inflict harm and do one thing that is beyond human limitations, that she is more capable at achieving those on a regular basis. So anytime she does inflict harm with magic or do one thing that is beyond human limitations with magic, she gets plus one to that role. Just to make clear, the uh, take harm, use magic role is different from your attack magic which is the every time you roll to kick some ass and you use the spell that you sort of built out of the what is it blast fire force thing yeah that's that is not use magic that is just your attack this would be like if you i don't know wanted to well so that's the thing is now she's getting more access to more stuff right so like fire force and wind are effects that she can do with her attack Right. But if I wanted to just hurt someone, like a magical punch that wasn't hurt by something, that would yeah. be like inflict harm. So inflict yeah. harm is just like a magical laceration kind of thing, you know? Yes, cool. I just want to make make it clear that you oh, don't I get know. Yeah, plus I know one like. every time you kick some ass. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I think that totally makes makes sense. So go ahead and mark that down. Dad, there's, no, there's no other people on the podcast, so now you have to go. Okay, uh, Ned's going to go with a crew. It's uh, a team of three or four people who will help you out with pretty much anything. Not like Kirby, who's, you know, an assistant and he can call on a regular basis. And what I would, I, th- I think 
it should have something to do with, you know, the Saturday Night Dead. Um, okay. From the people who love the movie show, that love the, the TV show. Like a fan um, club. Like a fan club. You're yes. An, you're an influencer to fans of Saturday Night Dead. who The Deadites. W- the Deadites, who we will consider... The Deadheads. <laughs> I can't believe that hasn't been taken before. Yeah, it's uh, right there. <laughs> okay, I like that. I, I like the idea of you having like a fan club who you can talk to by way of the show uh, or like the fan club message boards or whatever. Um, uh, they So you have to pick sort of a type, their motivation. And we kind of did this when you picked Kirby to be your subordinate. Your subordinate follows your exact instructions. They're also... That might have to be what this is, too, because the other ones are lieutenant, execute the spirit of your instructions, friend to provide emotional support. Probably not. That would be weird no. scenes to play no. out. Um, bodyguard to intercept danger. That's yes. also kind of straight. Come, That's come, so choice. Ned's in danger. How about come, backup? How about backup? That, that, that you to know, stand with you. Um, I mean, that means that you would say on your show, like, hey... I'm fighting a mummy Friday night at the old tire lot. Be there or be square. Like, well, but you know, backup can come in other ways. Hey, I need somebody who can uh, crack this code, or I need somebody who can pick a lock, or knows how to post to Twitter. Somebody who can do repair to uh, to uh, uh, you know my my car. I mean that that's also backup, isn't it? Uh, service the service industry. Okay. Not, not, I don't want anybody who's going to catch a bullet for me or anything, but somebody who, you know, can be a resource. Can I make a suggestion that is in the spirit of this that I think is going to be a, a much, much better fit for the thing you are actually describing? There is a move that you can take from the Flake playbook called Net Friends. You have, uh, you know, a lot of people on the internet. When you contact a net friend to help you with a mystery, roll plus charm. On a 10 plus, they're available and helpful. They can fix something, break a code, hack a computer, get you special information. On a seven to nine, they are prepared to help, but it's either going to take some time or you're going to have to do part of it yourself. On a miss, you burn some bridges. I think that, and if you disagree and you want to do the the crew, that's that's fine also, but like this feels more like the like fan club idea that you're describing right and it uses charm which is kind of ned's thing that's also like an area that we don't have much expertise in that could be cool yeah no i'm all in favor of it i love it okay uh so that's net friends on the flake (laughs) playlist you have net friends now can we call it something else okay nope (laughs) we can call it web buddies net friends it is chat chat room (laughs) now to be fair dad I think you heard Ned Friends. It was Net Friends. <laughs> it's in the internet. He's good. Oh. That's the name of the website. The, the internet. The, the internet. internet. <laughs> All the denizens of the internet. We'll get on the internet. All right. All right. So that's that's gonna do it for this episode of Adventure Zone AMC. You'll be able to catch the next one in two weeks. We're gonna put this one out on the internet. Um, you're going to be able to catch it on the 26th, so just dial into your, your favorite internet browser, and it'll be right there waiting for you.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Maximum Fun's new sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble, is coming to San Diego Comic-Con on July 21st. At 1 p.m., Bubble cast members Travis McElroy, Cristela Alonzo, Eliza Skinner, Allison Becker, Mike Mitchell, Jordan Morris, and Danielle Radford will be signing autographs. Tickets are required, but free. Then at 5 p.m., the cast will participate in a panel moderated by Jesse Thorne, held at the San Diego Central Library. For more information, visit MaximumFun.org slash SDCC. Hi, this is Jake Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself here on the Maximum Fun Network. On Go Fact Yourself, we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. Paul, by the way, how much do you know about chicken husbandry? You gotta give them that grain. <laughs> All right. You gotta give them that grain. And then smart again. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. When- oh, okay. <laughs> We've got me co-host Helen Hong, plus celebrity guests and actual surprise experts. In the coming weeks, you can hear guests like Maria Bamford, Tom Bergeron, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, and Grant Imahara. And if you're in the New York area, come check us out live. We're doing two shows there on July 21st and July 22nd. Go to GoFactorPod.com for tickets and more. We'll see you in New York or on the first and third Friday of every month here on the Maximum Fun Network. Maximum Fun.